Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. It's like this is what they ate before they invented colors. <laughs> it can be easy to think of the way you live your life as the fairly normal way, yeah. or at least like not that far from the normal way. Everybody lives like this, right? Until you go like completely out of your country into a culture that's very different from yours. And you were in? I was in uh, Tegucigalpa in Honduras. How come you can say things like that? Uh, because I listened several <laughs> times. I was pronouncing it Tegucigalpa for a long time, but that's wrong. What is it again? Tegucigalpa. Tegucigalpa, Honduras. So we were down there with an organization called One Child. You're going to be hearing more about them soon. And what they do is they help local churches set up what they call Hope Centers, Mm. which is where kids can go and they're going to get meals. They're going to be taught about Jesus. They're going to be given basic like educational lessons Mm -hmm. to help them as they're learning, essentially giving kids hope in hard places. Yeah. And... One thing that struck me, a big thing that goes on in this area of Honduras and honestly a lot in that part of the world is gang activity. Oh, really? And so for a lot of these kids here, they've got two options of what to do with their life. They can attend Hope Centers or they can join a gang. Really? It's that binary. It's, you either, yeah. either you join a Hope Center or you become a, a gang member. By and large, that's about how it goes. Wow. And so one of these Hope Centers, this Hope Center director, she is... Maybe five foot two. She's got white hair down to her hips, runs around in a jean skirt, but she is a warrior for these kiddos. She had one little girl who she realized had gotten into a dating relationship with a gang member. Oh, and she went out and they have they call them tuk tuks. It's it's like a little taxi, but it's only got three wheels. And she saw this girl getting into a tuk tuk with her gang member boyfriend, runs up to the tuk tuk, grabs this girl out of it. And she gets her finger in this guy's face. And she says, if they're with me, you cannot touch them. You do not come near this girl ever again. Whoa! Not only did that guy never come near the girl again, but he went and told the gang. He said, this Hope Center right over here, this is sacred ground. We don't go over there. We don't mess with anybody going to this Hope Center. Wow. That's the kind of work that's being done in Honduras right now. So I was clicking around on the internet like you do. And then I see this headline. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I have to look at this. Because earlier this year, we talked about the fact that I had a mouse in my basement. I don't want it to happen again. So when I saw the headline that said, if you have this in your pantry... You may be attracting mice. Ooh. I thought, what? Can't be attracting mice. No, I don't want to attract mice. You know, so I, I like to be an attractive human being, but I don't want to attract mice. Not Correct. to my pantry anyway. So I clicked on it and I read it. Do you know what mice, according to this study, what their favorite foods are that they are attracted to? I have no idea. Chocolate and peanut butter. So mice are just like us. <laughs> mice are attracted to a combination of chocolate and peanut butter. Okay. If you have just like Reese's. It crosses species boundaries. Apparently, we all love peanut butter and chocolate. Chocolate and peanut butter attract mice. Too. It attracts me to the pantry. <laughs> so there's that. So we've been listening to these interesting flavor combinations, and some of them Taylor says he would try. Others of them. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? You think we should try this one? I'm hoping you will not, because it's something my husband does, and it just grosses me out every time. Well, this is the for better or for worse stuff. This is the worst stuff. He will combine cottage cheese and ketchup as a tip dip for his tortilla chips. Whoa! (laughs) 
That one just kept right? on getting worse. It's just like, no, don't, don't do it. Why? There's perfectly good queso out there. Yeah, we're out on that one. Thanks that for sharing. Disgusting. Yeah, no problem. Curb your appetite right there. <laughs> Our friend truck driver Joe has got a flavor combination for us. Peanut butter, lettuce, Miracle Whip, and bologna sandwich. Oh, no! That's... Why? Why did this happen? good. No, why did it's this good. happen? <laughs> My dad ate it when I was a kid, and now I eat it. I'm just trying to think but through all of those tastes. You need to have curly potato chips and a glass of milk, too, so... I think you would need milk to wash that, that down. <laughs> That glass of milk is real important. That's going to be crucial. <laughs> we are talking about odd food pairings that somewhere, somehow in your life have come about. What have you come across, Kathy? So when I was in high school, I babysat for a family. Their kids wanted mayonnaise and banana sandwiches. And the first time I made them, I put butter on the bread because at my house, you don't have a sandwich without butter on the bread. Mm-hmm. And they told their mom, the next time she babysits, you have to teach her how to make our sandwich. <laughs> you ruined a perfectly good mayo nana sandwich with butter. And I'm like, that is the grossest thing I've ever seen anybody eat. You know how every now and then like, you look at your plate and it's like, there's just a lot of brown here. <laughs> there's not a variation in the color. Like That's just, that's all white. <laughs> Banana, white bread, mayonnaise. You know, it's... <laughs> It's like, this is what they ate before they invented colors. <laughs> I am so glad to be back here in Des Moines, but I had a wonderful time. I was in Honduras with an organization called One Child, getting to know what they're all about, because we're going to be working together with them pretty soon. You're going to hear about how you can make a difference with One Child. I thought it was great that you got to go and see it hands on yeah. and see the way that the country works and the organization works and... See how it's spreading hope. Yeah. So what One Child does is they locate high-risk areas in different countries, whether it's for poverty, whether it's for crime, whether it's just a place where it's hard for children to thrive. And they find this place, and then within this place, they look for churches that really have a heart for children. Mm. And then they approach these churches and say, do you want to work together? We will help give you the funds and the back-end support that you need to continue making the difference that you're making. Wow, that's a... That's a wonderful model. And so they help these churches set up what they call hope centers where kids can go. They'll go like once or twice a week and they get Mm -hmm. food, they get education, they get people to tell them you matter. You have an identity that can't be taken away by your family being in poverty, by your dad being gone, by the gangs that surround your house. I went to one of these learning sessions where they're teaching the kids and we had a translator next to us and so they're teaching and she's like oh they're they're talking about kindness and see right there she's she's saying hey we shouldn't hit people we shouldn't say bad words to people and then i realized that they weren't saying this to say you shouldn't do this to people they were saying this is not how you should be treated oh you are more valuable than that and so there are stories of these kids coming home to their parents and saying 
you're not supposed to be treating me this way. Mm. But that's because that's all their parents knew and all their parents knew before them. And there are parents who come in in tears saying, I I, I didn't realize this. So they're helping to break a cycle. They're breaking cycles. They're talking to these kids. And when you make a difference in the life of one child, that child goes home to their parents and they're sharing the things that they're learning and it changes their parents. Like there is so much transformation happening when one child is told, hey, you matter because Jesus loves you. There is something special about getting to know a different culture, a different country, seeing that there are ways to do things that are different from your own. And that different doesn't mean bad. It just means different. And that was what I learned in Honduras. Oh, about what? So, you know, we were doing a lot of a lot of mission work, getting to know different churches there. But we also got to go around and kind of see the city and try out some of the restaurants and stuff. And one of the things we noticed as we're driving around to Gusigalpa, we started noticing... A lot of Christmas decorations. And we were like, oh, look at all the Christmas. And someone next to us, one of our guides said, oh, yeah, we love Christmas here. I was like, oh, great. So do we. Yeah. And so then I broached the question. So when when do you like start decorating for Christmas? And she's like, well, Honduras Independence Day is September 15th. Once that's done, you start seeing everything start going up. In September? In September, because they don't do a Thanksgiving in Honduras. I guess I wouldn't. <laughs> so there's there's nothing really in the way. Nothing in the way. Until Christmas Day. And so they get started September 15th, and they go all out. We were seeing Christmas trees all around town that had already been up for a long, long time. I was like, this is really cool. Is it? I mean, there are some purists here in the States who might have issues with that, but I was feeling very holly and jolly. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're like me. And I thought November 1st was early to start officially celebrating Christmas. But then Taylor came back from Honduras and says, as a country, they start celebrating on September 16th. And so we want to know, can you beat September 16th? I can beat that hands down. (laughs) Oh, really? My pastor has a Christmas tree up 24 hours a day. And if you say anything about his Christmas tree, he will break out into Christmas music. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, does he have this in his house or in his office? In his office, all year round. Does your pastor have a wife and family? Uh, yeah, he does. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what does his wife think of this? You know, I don't know. I've never asked his wife what she thinks <laughs> of it. But I'm sure if you ask her, she might break out into Christmas music, too. Who knows? <laughs> Christmas. Mm. It's not just for December anymore. No, I learned that in Honduras... Basically, once you get after Honduran Independence Day on September 15th, people are like, yeah, let's start let's start decorating for Christmas. And we want to know, can you beat that? I left my tree up all year long one time. Why? Um, I can make up something, but laziness is probably what it is. It's a pretty light. It's pretty light. That's what it was. The pretty lights. <laughs> pretty light. Were you single or married at the time? Definitely married. <laughs> Definitely married. And she let you? She loves Christmas. Oh my goodness. Her middle name is Noel. So oh, you got, I yeah. love it. You should have said you did it because of your deep love for your wife. That that's exactly what I said, Taylor. <laughs> Would you call them extreme fans of Christmas? I think that's fair. Is that fair? Because you said that when you were in Honduras, they basically start celebrating Christmas officially September 16th. Yeah. I was talking to one of our guides who lives in Honduras and she's like, yeah, we love Christmas and we've got no major holidays after Honduran Independence Day. So we're like, why not start in the middle of September? Mm, I guess they're not the only ones that do it. My sister-in-law 
keeps her tree up year round. She just changes how she decorates it. <laughs> She's one of those. <laughs> so which holidays does she decorate it for? Well, Valentine's Day, fall, spring, summer, July 4th, you know, whatever she feels like. Just what? put matching decorations on there. How do you decorate a tree yeah. for fall? Probably fall colors. Okay. Just, just know, spray paint it red. All right. Colors. No, she has some spray painting. Okay. No, she doesn't go that far. <laughs> right. No, that would be going that, too far, that's Taylor. That's over the line there. <laughs> that's absurdity. You want to know just how important a church is to a community? I want to tell you about a church that I got to visit when I was in Honduras. We were with a group called One Child, and what they do is work with local churches to care for and sponsor children in the area who are in really high-risk areas. So this organization goes in and works with already existing, yep. uh, an existing community. Yeah, they, the they are empowering local leaders to do something that they already have a heart for, okay. which, which I, I love that they do it this way. We went to visit one church that had been a part of this One Child program for years, and with the resources they had, they had several buildings, a big old center for people to be in, but it started out literally the only place they could plant this church was at a site that used to be the city dump. What? So they went and they cleaned out this dump. They brought in electricity, running water to an area. There were neighborhoods around here that didn't have any of that. They brought those in so they could have the church. They built their first small little church building where they could feed kiddos and have their services. And now that area, I kid you not, I've got a picture that I can post if you want me to. It's like you go down this steep hill and as far as you can see, like there's green. They've planted soybeans. They've planted like different trees that they can harvest fruit from. Like that's as close to a picture of Jesus as I I can see. I was just going to say, there are so many biblical metaphors in that my head's about to explode they That's moved into a broken place that was death and trash and it is a beautiful place of life and of hope because of the support that one child has been able to give to that church i looked in the mirror and i was horrified more horrified than normal uh-oh <laughs> It wasn't just one of those looking in the mirror going, whoa, how am I going to fix this? No, it was. I came home from a day of fundraising a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. here at Life 107.1, a day where I had been hanging out with lots of people, talking, smiling, laughing. I get home and I go into the bathroom and I look in the mirror and I don't know why if I smiled or something, but all of a sudden right there in the mirror. So obviously right there on my person too was this giant piece of black oh boy in my teeth and did you just like go back in your mind and replay every moment that I'm your mouth was to, open I'm, I'm trying to think to myself <laughs> when would i have eaten oh i mean i must have had that giant piece of black pepper in my teeth for at least an hour maybe more oh boy and so i had interacted with all sorts of people And nobody told me. Jen, clearly you were not talking to me because I know as your friend, it is my job to let you know if there's food in your teeth. (laughs) You got something right there. Yeah, Yeah, you got something right there, Jen. So I'm like, okay, well, obviously whatever I ate that had giant pieces of black pepper that got stuck in my teeth, (laughs) I can no longer eat in public. And ever since... I've been a little paranoid about what's left over after I eat. Doing the the tongue over the teeth, yeah, the I do this roll it back and forth constantly. Yeah, and I like I have I used I never had a mirror in my purse, and now I keep a little mirror in there just to kind of check and make sure because I don't know 
Are the crevices in my teeth getting more defined as I get older? <laughs> Is food it's getting stickier? I don't pepper know. Crevice. <laughs> Pepper Crevice is the name of my punk rock alter ego. (laughs) Pepper Crevice and the Hurricanes. So we were asking about foods that you couldn't eat in public, but Steph, you've got like a restaurant you can't go to in public? I cannot go to Cracker Barrel and drink anything from that place because I always drop the cup. What? And it's only from that restaurant. Wow. The Cracker Barrel cups. They're your nemesis. (laughs) Yes. So every time you go to Cracker Barrel, you spill? Yes. I completely drop the cup and shatter on the floor. No! How many times has this happened to you? Too many times to count. I don't know if it's just like the condensation and the cup is big, but I don't really have small hands, so I don't understand why. (laughs) Do they see you coming? (laughs) And they're like, (laughs) get her the rubber cup. (laughs) (laughs) They probably do. And I always say if they ever go out of business, it's my fault. They (laughs) spent too much money on replacement cups. That's a lot to carry on your shoulders. You poor thing. It really is. I think I'm scarred forever. I'll never be able to eat black pepper and talk around people again because I found a piece of black pepper after I'd been around people forever in my teeth and nobody had told me. And a lot of folks have learned some lessons about things you should and shouldn't eat before certain situations. When I go to the dentist, I always get my teeth done early in the morning so I don't miss too much work. Mm -hmm. And I always drink my protein drink and I always have chia seeds in my protein drink. Oh, yeah. Whenever I... Get my teeth clean. I do not have the chia seeds in my protein drink because they are very tenacious and they stick to my teeth like crazy. Ah, it will add another 10 minutes just cleaning my teeth with those chia seeds. Have you ever gotten home after a long day, smiled at yourself in the mirror and realized, oh my goodness, I have had food in my teeth. I don't even know how long. It could have been the entire day. I know it was at least for the last hour. And you realize that your really good friend never even told you. I would have told you if I'd noticed. I, had I just want to put that on the table. piece of pepper stuck in my teeth one day when I got home from work and nobody had told me. Well, Jana has some encouragement for you. There's something even worse than pepper stuck in your teeth. What? Stuck in your braces. No, braces. Do you have braces? I do now, yeah. So what foods can't you eat and what food gets stuck in your teeth? Everything. Oh, so you got to find friends that are very either forgiving or very honest. Or I just wear my mask. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you do it. Beautiful. So this is the time of year where I start kind of just searching around for a a side dish or a dessert or something like that that I can bring to the Thanksgiving Day celebration that I'm going to that's got just a little bit of a spin to it. A little Which bit I of love. A, yeah. Put, put a little twist on the green bean casserole. Exactly. Just, Do something a little different with your stuffing. Just something a little different because it's always the same. And I love the same. But sometimes I just you know want to put a little mm-hmm. bit of bacon in the macaroni and cheese or something like that. But this is the thing that you always have to consider. Whatever you bring to the table has to be a good leftover. Oh, 100%. Because Thanksgiving is definitely about sitting down and Mm -hmm. gathering and being grateful as a family. But it's also about the leftovers. Post-Thanksgiving is all about how many ways can I combine turkey and stuffing and green bean casserole and mashed potatoes and not get bored of it. And that is another thing that you have to consider when making Mm. a side for for Thanksgiving is... Really, it's important that you make a lot of them because 
Don't you find that when one, maybe two, of the pieces of Thanksgiving dinner runs out, all the rest of the leftovers are uninteresting? You're right. There, there's one that holds the whole meal together. Exactly. It just It just pulls it all together like a good rug. Think about it. There is some strategizing that needs to happen prior to Thanksgiving. I mean, there's a leftover. You need to make sure that there's a lot left over. Yes, because when there's always this one leftover that if it's gone, the rest of the leftovers are meh. And we want to know what that is. Well, I'm calling for my husband. He would tell you it's the glue is the gravy. If they're the, so gravy, then. <laughs> the glue is the gravy? I learned earlier in our marriage that there's a certain amount of gravy required for potatoes and meat. What is that certain amount? A gallon? A lot. Yes. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's club size. Sam's club size. <laughs> you have to make sure that you have enough of this. After the Thanksgiving meal Mm -hmm. to make sure that the rest of the leftovers are worth eating. Which one is that for you, Nancy? I agree with the previous caller. Gravy is the glue. And I was going to call and say that exact thing. And then I thought, that sounds kind of ooey. So maybe I would just say (laughs) my go-to ingredient for leftovers is the gravy. Because I put it on everything. The potatoes, the dressing, the meat. And if I don't have it the next day... It's like, I don't want any of it, except the pie, of course. That's exempt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It it doesn't matter what's missing. I will always eat leftover pumpkin pie. I make pumpkin, and I also make a homemade chocolate with meringue. I'm sorry. What did you just say? Tell me about that slowly. The homemade chocolate pie with meringue topping. Where do you live? I'm here in Des Moines. So am I. Yeah. (laughs) I will walk to your house for homemade chocolate pie. (laughs) When green bean casserole is gone... I lose interest in the rest of the Thanksgiving leftovers. That's just that's my one thing that if it's if it's not on the reheated plate, eh. I'm realizing that's kind of how it works for me too is there's one thing like for me it's it's the turkey. Mm-hmm. Um if that's gone, all of a sudden everything else just doesn't look appealing. So we want to know what's the one food that holds all of your Thanksgiving leftovers together and makes them worthwhile? The turkey. Yes. You're a turkey guy? So if there's no turkey, you don't care about the rest? Or like stuffing. Okay. So need, turkey stuffing. and stuffing. So if there's no stuffing and no turkey, then you don't want to eat any of the rest of the leftovers. And I kind of like the pumpkin pie, too. If, I, if there's no pumpkin pie left, then it's like I've lost all interest. It sounds like you need all of the leftovers <laughs> to be interested in the leftovers. Turkey, stuffing, pumpkin pie. You want to throw the green bean casserole in there, too? Uh, no, I don't like green bean casserole. What? Okay. I only like my grandma's green bean casserole. Oh, okay. Why your grandma's? She makes it with love. Well, I don't that's, make it with that. That's so the key ingredient. I understand. I've been making mine with apathy all this time. <laughs> the Taylor and Jen Podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.